fantastic. What a joy it is to be with you. And I've got to say, guys, that um, because I'm traveling every week now, it's not very often that I can take time out and listen to prophetic and apostolic voices into my life. And I think it was worth coming to New Zealand for me just for lunch today uh, with your pastors, uh, with Bruce and, and with Sam, uh, just speaking so prophetically into my life and where I'm at right now. So, you know, when we come together, it's a win-win, isn't it? It's for everyone gets blessed. And so I've been deeply touched and I've been writing lots of notes this afternoon about things God is speaking into my life. It never ceases to amaze me when I share like I did this morning about losing our son, Chris. And I've got to stop saying losing because he's alive right now and he's in heaven. We haven't lost him. And so I'm grateful that he is alive in heaven today. We miss him deeply. But, you know, the number of people I spoke to this morning that have had severe loss and, you know, prayed for one person that's lost six family members. And so you just don't know who you're going to end up praying for. And it's good not to waste our tears, but to use them as a river of refreshing for those that come after us. And so during the worship tonight, I felt the Lord just dropped a few things in my heart that God wants to bring a clarity of your identity. There's someone here tonight, you need clarity. I'm not talking about necessarily sexual identity, but just your identity in Christ. And God is gonna bring clarity tonight, but you have to trust him for ordered steps. The Bible says the steps of the godly are ordered by the Lord, not the leaps, not the jumps, but the steps. We need ordered steps. You know, I actually read that not that long ago, and I found nine clear steps in Psalm 37. There are nine fruits of the Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Spirit, and I found nine steps, and I think there's a gift of the Spirit, and there's a fruit of the Spirit available for every step, because we're not called to do this journey alone, and I want to walk with ordered steps. Let me tell you, when, we, uh, when our son went to heaven, I couldn't see the future very clear, but I'm thankful that he guided every step. One step after another, one step after another. And God wants to bring ordered steps to someone who's gripped with fear tonight on the future. Where are, what's going to happen with my future? God wants you to trust him with ordered steps. There's also someone here tonight. You have a fear of the future of doors opening and you're afraid that the enemy is going to overpower you. I wonder if we can just bow our heads right now. I'll pray right now. And, and you feel like the enemy has been attacking you. And you're starting to think, will I ever get through this? And he's going to be overcome tonight in your life. Through the message I'm going to share in just a moment, there's going to come clarity. But if that's you, I'd like you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Thank you, God bless you. 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 Father, tonight... I pray, God, that people will leave this place with a clarity of how you feel about them and what you have planned for them. And I pray that, Father, it will go from the head to the heart tonight and we will leave transformed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This morning, I got to share a prophetic word over the church and, uh, and I wrote it out this afternoon to give to Pastor Sam, to give it to Sam and the team. And as I wrote it, more came. And so now it's two sides. And so, um, you know, I, I wrote stuff like this. There's going to be lots of surprises, 
But with lots of surprises, there's going to be lots of supplies. So God is going to supply for the surprise. God is going to bring things to this church. God is going to trust this church with responsibility. And it's going to be sometimes a bit of a surprise, even though you're not surprised at anything anymore. But there's a sense of a good surprise. And there's going to be a supply for every surprise in Jesus' name. As he propels the house, he will protect the house. As God gives this house greater responsibility, nothing at home and on the ground is going to go amiss because God's going to protect the mother house and he's going to protect that what happens out of the house as he propels the house. I believe that it's going to flow from a place of rest, as I said this morning, and this is what I see on the house, a contemporary church, but a convictional and biblical church. There's contemporary sometimes that isn't biblical and there's contemporary that is just trendy and I'll cover that in just a moment, but I see contemporary but convictional and biblical. I see revelatory but real. See, some people talk about revelation and it's just somewhere out there that's a bit weird, but there's gonna be revelation flowing through the house, but there's a realness about it that's so natural. It's gonna be a releasing house so releasing, but highly responsible. I mean, that just came to me this afternoon, that you're going to be responsible with that release. Just because we believe in people and release, it doesn't mean we're being silly with that. We recognize the hand of God on people's lives, the gift of God on people's lives, and we release them with a sense of responsibility. This house is called to be very spiritual while very natural. So spiritual but natural. Powerful very powerful but personable. Powerful but personable. Content but not complacent. Content but not complacent. Embracing but releasing. So while you're embracing people into all that God has for them, you're prepared to set them free to be that all God's called them to be. Last year I was flying from Adelaide to Brisbane and as I was on the plane, the Holy Spirit said to me, there are three emerging churches rising up in Australia, maybe even in New Zealand and around the world. They look very similar, but they're very different. One of them is called Trendy Church. He said there's Trendy Church where it does music well, uh, probably not as well as this, but anyway, this is amazing worship and music, great music. You're gonna get good if you practice. So anyway... <laughs> Brilliant. I tell you, when you travel every week, I reckon the churches with the worst music go on for longer. So you're there for about an hour and you go, oh God, help me worship you through this. <laughs> it wasn't like that today. Amazing. But you know, you can be trendy church where we can do all the latest and all the greatest music and, and all that kind of stuff and yet not have deep, deep, deep convictions of the non-negotiables that God's called us to build. And the Lord said to me, be careful of trendy church alone. The second church he showed me was traditional church. And he said to me, traditional church is no longer the Catholics, but within the very realm of Pentecost and, and, and what all that means, there are people that are fighting for things God doesn't want us to fight for. People wanting to have Christians who have convictions that are not truth conviction. They are the way we used to do things. And it used to be better in that day. And, and God said, you're going to see traditional church react 
to trendy church, but I've got another church that I'm rising up right now and it's truth honoring church and a truth honoring church will always be trendy and will only have godly traditions. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. I'm standing tonight in front of a truth honoring church. And so you'll always be trendy because God's trendy. God's always got the latest under control. Uh, he's not taken by surprise. And I want to tell you tonight, when I share the message God's put on my heart for a few moments, I pray that, in fact, I want to say this, I think it's more than a message for you. It's a description of who you already are. I think I'm talking about who you already are as a church tonight. And so I've entitled my message tonight. I'll just get my notes here all sorted out that I scribbled down. And my message is called, Why? It's just called why. Why do you go to church? Why do you go to this church? Why do you drive the car you're driving? Why do you work where you work? Why do you eat what you eat? Do you know behind everything we do, there's a why. And tonight I want to talk about the why of this house because let me tell you, the why of this house determines the what of this house. And God is about to do some amazing things when I share the revelation God gave me. But you see, the why in your individual life becomes the why in our corporate life as a church. If the why in your private life is wrong, then the church is the sum total of every individual why. And so there are lots of whys why we do what we do. A few years ago, I'm into motor cars, and I was out to buy a new car, and a friend of mine says, Danny, there's a VB Commodore that's up for sale with an old man who owns it. He's in his 80s. He's about to drive no more. He comes into my shop all the time. He says the car is immaculate. I've had a look at it. It is brilliant, and I reckon if you don't buy it, I will. On his recommendation, and realizing that it was an old man who owned this car, silly me bought the car. I bought the car and told everybody that God had provided this amazing car for $7,000 back then, a VB Commodore that was probably worth, it was a Calais, and it was probably worth about twelve or 13000 low mileage. And one day I had to pick someone up from the airport, and as I was running late, I took the car through the car wash, and the car filled up with water. All of a sudden, this incredible provision of God had become a baptismal tank. And I'm thinking, you know, what's going on here? What's wrong with this car? I went and got it checked, and it was two cars that had been cut in the middle and joined together to become one car. And the old man was a front for his son's crooked crash repair business. Now, the reason I bought that car is I trusted my friend. The reason I bought that car, I trusted the image of the old man. And it all seemed to come together so well, and the car was so beautifully polished. It was actually taken off the road, and I was never able to drive it again. I lost my money. And, you know, Pastor Ashley Evans, some of you know him from Adelaide, he laughed and laughed and laughed until he bought a car shortly afterwards, and didn't realize that he bought a taxi. And so he said to me, there's a smell in my car, and I don't know what it is. And I had a smell. I said, that's cigarette smoke that's being covered up. I bet you this is a taxi, and it was. And I said, don't you ever laugh at my misfortune. See what happened to you. But the point is this. The why behind my what is I trusted someone else's 
recommendation. Do you know how many people go to church every week and they only do Jesus through what somebody else tells them? Sometimes we only do Jesus by what we see on a platform and, what, and, and thank God that at least they see that and it's not a broken car and it's not gonna lead you astray in a church like this. But I wanna tell you, there's a greater place to come to where we can have a why of why we follow Jesus, not because someone else gave us a recommendation. Maybe there was an introduction, but this is personal. And we can have a personal walk with Jesus Christ. When our son passed away, what the church taught me was great, but it wasn't enough. I had to have my own walk with Jesus. So right now in Australia, there's a lot of arguing over a plebiscite. There's a lot of arguing over same-sex marriage and a whole lot of things to do with identity. And a couple of weeks ago while I was in prayer, the Lord took me to a passage of scripture that I'm going to give to you tonight. And I pray it will absolutely encourage you as we see how God sees us, what he has for us. The scripture is Matthew 16 and it's found verse 13 in the Message Bible. And it says, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah, some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets, right? He pressed them and how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon. Son of Jonah, you didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expensive, no, sorry, expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You have the complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down because this has been the story of my life since I was a little boy of 11 years of age. I just never put it into these words. You see, number one, every one of us needs a revelation of deity. Just write the word deity. We need a revelation that God is not just a nice prophet, not just a good man that walked the earth, not a guy that's irrelevant today. He really is God. He is the Son of God. And until you have a revelation of deity, Deity, personally, you will never, number two, find your identity. So, hey, Peter, now that you've discovered who I am, I'm going to show you who you are. No amount of passing laws, no amount of changing legislation, no amount of trying to appease how people feel is going to make it happen for anyone unless people find their identity in knowing deity. When you discover who deity is, you're not going to have an issue with your identity for very long. You may have it for a while, but you're going to come through because deity will show you your identity. So he says, hey, Peter, now that you know who I am, I'm going to show you who you are. And then number three, he gives him clarity. So from deity, we have a revelation of who he is. 
we find our identity. In our identity, there is clarity. Ladies and gentlemen tonight, I don't believe we're meant to chase the will of God. I believe the will of God chases us. You're in the will of God every day as we live in obedience to God every day and we realize that deity has got my number and he wants to absolutely stamp my identity in him. Clarity will come if we trust him because once you have clarity, I'm gonna show you that you're gonna be something powerful for me, Peter. We find our destiny so we go from deity to identity to clarity to then destiny hey Peter you're going to be part of building my church you're going to be instrumental in seeing this incredible ministry break out and you're going to see you're going to be at the forefront you are going to be one of my guys building a church that is so powerful you see Peter wasn't looking for that but he finds his destiny because he got clarity once he found out his identity because he connected with who God was in Jesus deity and so then he says and you know what Peter the gates of hell are going to be so freaked out by you, that you know they're not gonna stop you smashing those gates down. You know, gates are not offensive weapons. They're defensive weapons. The devil doesn't have the upper hand. You don't see people running down the street with gates. Let me tell you, the devil's trying to stop the church coming in. I prophesy the greatest days for the church are ahead of us. And this church around the world is going to have impact in places where religion has died, but people are still hungry for truth. All around the world, there are people that are so hungry for Jesus, they don't need religion. And Equipus Church is being sent by God into Italy, my country. I want to go there with you too and talk like this. But you know, but let me tell you, there's a clarity coming. Confusion's no longer going to be the order of the day. You know, Italians come to Australia, they get confused with the languages. They get the messages mixed up. One of my Italian friends, his wife was having a baby. And he had to rush her to hospital because she nearly had the baby in the car. And, and she, he had to get her to hospital. He goes, you know what, Danny? Had to take my wife to the hospital. She was having contradictions. You think, no, no, I think it's called contractions. You see, they get it all mixed up. One guy said to me, you know, my daughter, she come home late the other night. I said to her, Mary, this is the strawberry that broke the camel's back. I don't think it was a strawberry that broke the camel's back, you know? And he goes, I'm so upset, I've had it up to here. He said, I've had it up to here. Sometimes the message gets lost in translation but there's a clarity coming out of this house. And I believe God is causing this house to realize that when you find your destiny, listen to me carefully, when you find your destiny, God will give you authority. So we go from deity to identity, to clarity, to destiny. And then he says, and I'm gonna give you the power. The gates of hell will not overcome. And then last of all, he gives him victory. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I'd never seen it like that. But at the age of 11, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Just recently, I baptized my 11-year-old grandson. I was a little nervous because I thought maybe he's too young. Maybe he's too emotional because his dad has passed. But as I asked him, and we asked him why, he's had such a revelation of Jesus that is so powerful. I will read to you 
one of his prophetic words that God gave him at the end of this message. But I want to tell you, at the age of 11, or oh, in a prayer meeting full of old people, I think they're about 30 years of age, I was 11. My father was the preacher of the church. In a prayer meeting, I was, had an encounter with Jesus. I began to speak in a tongue that I'd never heard before. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit as a young kid. And over the years, this Italian boy who had such a low self-esteem, you would too if you grew up in an era, and I've preached this in this church before, of all my friends having long hair because they wanted to be like the Beatles. And my dad used to cut my hair to look like some of the trendy haircuts they have today, but it wasn't trendy back then. Made me play the violin. I did all the things that made me look really weird because my dad wanted, to be, wanted me not to be worldly, but to be religious. And I wanna tell you, one day in 1983, in a Bible college room, I had another encounter with Jesus. As I'm reading John 17, God got hold of my life. And I wanna tell you, friends, doesn't matter what background we come from, doesn't matter what life has dished up to us, once we have a revelation of deity, oh boy, we will find our identity that will give us clarity, that will step us towards our destiny under God's authority, released to live in victory. Oh, I wanna tell you, that's where we get our self-esteem from, not the amount of nips and tucks we have and no matter how many uh, you know, um, you know, guns we have, I've just got the barrel these days instead of the six pack. <laughs> and I'm not knocking healthy living, I think it's fantastic. One day I might get there. Uh, you know, I got on the scales the other day. They said, one at a time, please. So I realized, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, I need to do something real soon. But, uh, you know, I am so grateful that my identity is found in deity tonight. And I believe that all those things are a picture of this house. You see, as I look at this house, I realize that this house is a prophetic house that listens to the voice of God because you're committed to deity. Therefore, Equippers Church is not just trendy, I'm glad you are, but it's a truth-honoring church because you know your identity. You have a clarity of what God's called you to do. When I sit and talk to Bruce, the thing I love about him is he always says, I know I'm not that. I know I'm not that. I know I'm not that, but I know this is what I am and I'm so comfortable in my own skin that this is what I bring. And I've taken a leaf out of that book and I go, God, I wanna rest in my call because as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Well, guess what? He doesn't lose them. And not only does he have them and doesn't lose them, he doesn't forget them because he knows them. And I can rest in deity, giving me clarity, destiny, authority and victory. Now, you know, just recently, I was preaching for a friend of mine in the Adelaide Hills in an in indigenous area of South Australia. It was an area where mainly indigenous people that are living in poverty hang out. There's an 11-year-old girl who's committed murder that comes out of that community. There's a lot of witchcraft. And I was preaching for this young man who's just started an amazing church with 140 kids coming off the streets in a little country town and the church has grown to over 400 people, a traditional church that's had a major turnaround in embracing its community. And as I'm pulling up to preach at this church, my wife was with me, I asked God for a prophetic word for the house. We got inside and during the worship, 
I saw a picture of me driving to the church in my mind. And what I saw, I wasn't ready for. The first thing I saw as I drove up in my mind, at the beginning, at the front of the church was a big H. And God said, you know, my church needs to be a hospital. It needs to be a hospital for the broken inside the church and for the broken outside the church because we do have the answer for people's broken identity when they find deity. And so we need to be a hospital. As I then was driving down the side, there were two buildings and an empty block of land in between in the picture in my mind. And I saw all these new homes going up. And the Lord said to me, my church needs to be a community. It can't just be a hospital. It has to be a community where people are cared for, where people connect, where people do life together. I thank God for a church that cares and has incredible community. He says, but you know, Danny, a lot of churches stop right there and they spend 90% of their money just trying to be a hospital and a community. But the church that I'm rising up, as I began to drive my car to the back of the auditoriums, in my mind, I saw an army barracks and God spoke to my heart. And he said, you know what? The church can't just be a a hospital that cares. It can't just be a community that connects, although that's powerful and we need that to never stop. But it needs to be an army with a cause. It needs to be an army with a cause. And it's not until Christians embrace the cause of Christ. Now listen to me. If you embrace the cause of Christ first, the care and the connection will always be better. See, sometimes people join a church because of care and connection and when they don't feel so connected and they don't feel cared for, they divorce that church and they go looking for another one. But the fact is, you're coming at it the wrong way. I grew up in a cult. My dad was the pastor of a church that was cultish. I didn't get care for. I was spiritually abused. There was all kinds of things that never happened for me that we offer to others today. And yet in the middle of that confusion, in the middle of all that wrong stuff, I embraced the cause of Christ because I had a revelation of who he is. When my son passed away, it wasn't the care and connection of Christians alone that made me hang on to my faith. It was the cause of Christ because I didn't, come on, give God praise. I didn't come to Jesus because he cared for me, although I'm glad he did. I didn't come to Jesus because I felt connected to other believers. I actually came to Jesus because I had a revelation of deity. And when we have a revelation of deity and embrace the cause of Jesus Christ, he directs the course of our lives. And I want to tell you through every season, in good seasons and bad seasons, when our son, our middle son broke down emotionally, fell into sin and all kinds of things that some of you know the story and if you don't, it doesn't matter for tonight. But I want to say, it wasn't just people ringing me up and saying, we're with you. That was wonderful. In fact, can I say this? When our son passed away for the first month, we were like superstars flowers and food and people turning up and literally a month after he passed everything went away and all our grief started all over again in moments of loneliness and God said people can't carry your pain they're not meant to carry your pain they're not meant to carry they don't have the capacity to carry it and you can't expect people to carry your pain that they did as much as they could but you see my friends it's the cause of Jesus Christ in my life personally that enabled me 
to continue in the course of my life because of deity, because He's given me my identity, because I have clarity, because He has a destiny for me. He's given me authority so I can live in victory in Jesus' Name. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise tonight in Jesus' Name. You see, when God called me into the ministry, I remember one day he said, Jesus, I'll give you everything, but just don't take one of my kids. When I remember only 10 minutes later going back to God, saying, sorry, Jesus, I can't put conditions on you. I can't say I'll serve you if. If you bring my wife back, she hadn't left. I'm just making that up right now. <laughs> I just realised what you might be thinking. <laughs> if you do that, I prayed one time for me to marry a certain girl. I said, Lord, if you give me her, I'll give you all my life. I'll serve you. Not that long ago, I saw her after 20 years. I'm so glad God didn't answer my prayer. I hope she never watches this. You don't know who she is. I'm glad he didn't answer some of those prayers. But I do remember as a youth pastor traveling all over Australia and New Zealand as well, having youth camps when I asked people to come and get married to Jesus. In fact, I did it at Equippers Church. In the early days, in the uh, you know, early 2000s when I came to conferences and we would have Jesus, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And I used to say, if some of you remember, I used to say, you know, Jesus will never divorce you because he signed the wedding certificate with his blood. And you know, I had no idea that my sermons would come back to challenge me. I've preached in this church about the full journey of faith, the broken suitcase, when you feel like the stuffing's coming out of your life and you want to give up. I tell our church on a regular basis, I'm one decision away from becoming a total idiot. Just one decision. Why? Because I want to finish my race strong. I don't want to have three quarters of the race. I want to do the full race. But to do that, I have to believe in deity. I've got to know that he's given me my identity. I've got to know that he's given me clarity. And because of that, I still have a destiny, even though I walk with a limp, because he's put authority on my life so that I can live in victory in Jesus' name. And so, a few weeks ago, my little grandson was listening to me preach on hearing the voice of God at the church where his dad used to pastor. I preached on more time in Facebook and less time on Facebook, and I was preaching on hearing the voice of God by getting back to the Bible a bit more, a little bit less time on Instagram, and a bit more time with the great I am. Well, that, that just came out then, that's pretty good. I think I'll use that again. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm preaching on how to hear the voice of God and my grandson's taking notes. At the end of the meeting, he comes to me and he goes, no, no, would you like to look at my notes? I looked at him, they were better than mine. He had a couple of points in there that I'm sure I never said, but they sounded really good. I had, I think, 16 points. He came up with 18 and I'm reading them. I said, you know, Elijah, I'm gonna use your notes from now on. A couple of days later, I get a phone call from his mum. 
And she said, I'm going to send you a text in a moment. An 11-year-old boy getting a revelation from God, Dad, I want you to read it. And so here it is. I've taken it off my phone and written it down because the writing has to be bigger. Even with glasses, I can't see. (laughs) Mum and I were in the car talking about having your own story that you hold on to when times are tough. When things are going bad and you question, is God real? You need to have your own God revelation. I realized God was saying to me all week, Jeremiah 29, 9. I didn't know if it was God speaking because everyone says Jeremiah 29, 11. (laughs) So I asked mum to read her Bible on her phone and then I read it. God, you've given me this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 9, that says they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. When I was at Keithcott Primary School, kids used to say to me that the church was playing with my mind and that God never existed and he couldn't be real. They also said that I was being delusional and God has given me this scripture so I don't have to doubt I know that he's real and I only need to listen to his voice. I want you to have a look at the screen at his baptism. And uh, we've got a couple of pictures. That little look, looking up to me as a granddad. I was 11 years old when I first had my experience with God. Next to him is his older brother that looks just like Chris who passed away. The older brother who was baptised by his dad shortly before he passed. Now the older brother is standing with me baptizing our youngest grandson. He wants to serve Jesus. The 15-year-old wants to be a youth pastor and finish the work that his dad started. Elijah's 11 and the other day, as I said, he was sitting up in bed. We were playing with the computer and I said to him, Elijah, how do you cope? He goes, no, no, Jesus is our hope and we'll see dad again and you need to be strong, no, no. And he starts encouraging me. At the age of 11, I thank God that that little kid is not having an identity issue in the midst of all the challenges that are in his life because he knows deity who's giving him identity to give him clarity for the rest of his life. I'm going to pray that God will keep him so he can find his destiny and he can walk in authority and he can live a life of victory and he doesn't have to fry his brains on drugs because his dad died. He doesn't have to say, where were you, God, when my dad died? He doesn't have to do those things because he's discovered deity in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want the musicians to come. The reason why this is not just a trendy church or just a traditional church, you're certainly not that, but a truth-honouring church is because the why behind our dance, the why behind our music, the why behind we buy buildings, the why we keep extending, is this to show off? Is this to say, look at equippers, we're keeping up with the spiritual Joneses? No, 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 no. Because we have a pureness of trust in deity. It's his job to give us the destiny. You didn't ask for this. And what's coming, you didn't ask for. You didn't ask for churches in Rome. 
You didn't ask for churches in Naples. And sometimes people do those things, but their why is not right. Their why is to build their image or to build their label or to build their name. This is not friends scratching each other's backs tonight. I am prophesying and I'm saying to this house, do not stop. Let me say this, never be afraid of the next. Never be afraid of the next because when God's in charge of the next, He will take care of the rest and He will bring you through into all that He has for you. Will you stand with me tonight? I really feel an anointing in this place. I feel faith in the house to grab hold of. But if, you know, if you're here tonight and you've been confused about your future, oh, I tell you, I'm not gonna pray for you. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, leave your seat and come and worship at this altar as we sing and say, God, thank You. I will not question Your purpose for my life ever again. I wanna know deity because You'll take care of my identity. You'll take care of my destiny. You will give me clarity and I will walk in authority and live in victory. And I think we need to fill this altar with worship for a couple of minutes as we really rejoice in God together. Come on, you lead us guys in Jesus' Name. Thank You Lord. We worship You Jesus. Go for it guys.
He said, you know, when a tree has been watered properly, it will naturally produce fruit. And God said, in this church, discipleship is not a program, it's a posture. Discipleship's not a program, it's a posture. And because God is honouring the truth that comes out of the house, there's gonna be disciples rising up all the time. You think, how are we gonna find leaders for that? How are we gonna find leaders for that? And before you finish the sentence, God's gonna say, right there, right there, right there, because it's a posture. You see, a trendy church is interested in Christmas trees. I can bring a Christmas tree up here, put all the lights on it, turn on a switch and you go, wow. But those little bulbs can't feed you even though they lit up. They can't sustain you and they can't feed you because they are not natural things. They're just gifts we hang on a tree. Some churches are so desperate to grow, they would rather have Christmas trees than fruit trees because the Christmas trees look so glamorous. But one day all those things will fall off and it'll just be a stick standing there and then we'll discard that stick and think, well, that's not worth anything to us. But we can put a fruit tree up here in a pot that's been watered and it can not look so fancy as a Christmas tree, but it can feed you, it can refresh you, it can sustain you. And I thank God for a house that's gonna raise up trees that are planted by the riverside, watered by the Lord. That's why there'll be always more volunteers than you need. Why? Because there's an authentic call upon the house because we've seen deity. Oh, come on, we've seen deity. And because we've seen deity, we have an identity. We have a clarity. Father, I pray for all the people in this house of every generation. Father, I pray there'll be generational responsibility in this house where each generation will stir up the next and there will always be the available people for every area of age group and every area in the house of God. Father, I pray, make this a model as we prophesied this morning and may it be a model that'll keep reproducing and reproducing, not just for New Zealand, not just for Australia, but for the nations of the world. We pray in Jesus' mighty Name. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise.